0: Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class Podcast, brought to you from the campus of Johnston Community College in Smithfield, North Carolina, underwritten by Anchor, where everyone can make a podcast for free. All right, so chapter 13, all about marketing, great topic. Might have, if I turn this on, there we go. And so learning objectives for chapter 13, define marketing and apply the marketing concept to both for-profit and non-profit organizations because both need to do marketing, describe the four P's of marketing, summarize the marketing research process, show how marketers use environmental scanning to learn about the changing market environment, explain how marketers apply the tools of market segmentation, relationship marketing, and the study of consumer behavior, Compare the business-to-business market and the consumer market. And so, really, um, all business and marketing is trying to anticipate what the consumer's needs and wants are beforehand. Like, right now, we're into the holiday season already. Yay. You're already seeing the... Has anybody heard their first Christmas song yet? No? I have. I've already... My daughter played All I Want for Christmas, Mariah Carey, last night, and... I was not happy to hear it for some reason. I'm like, oh, God, I'm just, I'm annoyed by it already. But, but you better believe that everything that's going to happen in the next six, eight weeks was planned for the past year. They have planned for the entire year to get us to this point where we have anticipated what the consumers' wants and needs are for this holiday season. And so the cool thing that happened to me, and hopefully it will happen to you as you go through this class or have gone through this class, as you start to size things up from not only the consumer standpoint, but look at it from the producer side of it and say, you know, when you behold that product or you participate in that service, you have to understand that something went into getting it to that end point. You are the final stop, the consumer. And so starting to think about the things that had to align to allow for that product or service to land at your doorstep is really pretty fascinating. And not only that, when you bring in the marketing side of it, what type of indoctrination did you have to go through? What type of um, exposure to this product or service did you have to go through before you finally made a buying decision? They say people have to see something like seven to ten times before they really acknowledge it. And that's why you see ads that repeat themselves over and over again because they're indoctrinating you to think. At least have a brand awareness, you know. And it's not until either it's relevant to you or you, or it touches on that want factor that you start to really consciously think about that product or service. An example is Huggies. Yeah. Does anybody have children besides you? Anybody have kids? So I have kids, and for my life I didn't care about Huggies, you know, until I started having kids. And then all of a sudden when that commercial comes on, you know, it starts to make sense. Leak Guard, I get it, why that's important. You know, without it, it's a disaster. And so marketing is all about anticipating consumers wants and needs and being able to connect a message of your partner service to those wants and needs. And so marketing is the activity set of uh, institutions and processes for creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings with value for customers, clients, partners, and society at large. Marketing day involves helping the buyer buy through websites that help buyers find the best price, identify product features, and question sellers, blogs and social networking sites that cultivate consumer relationships. Um, Every year something is is happening in our consumer economy, Uh, more and more people buy products for Christmas or just buy products in general online. Like, What percentage of Christmas shopping would you think is done online now versus traditional retail? It's a big chunk, yes, the majority. So, But I remember when it started, it was very small, you know, 5%, 10%, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, what's, has anybody ever been to a website to buy something, and you were just frustrated by the experience? Have you had that experience? Do you know anything that comes to mind? Like you've tried to buy something off a website, and you thought, man, this is way too difficult. Mainly like clothing websites? Yeah. Honestly? like a lot of pop-up ads. That have oh, really God. Cool you're about to click? Yeah. I hate that, yeah. I don't uh, understand how some people buy clothes online. That yeah. Made sense to me. Well, you know, like, it, it, sometimes you can buy, like, a shirt or a pair of pants, and you kind of know how that goes, and then you can kind of duplicate it based off that, depending on if you're sticking with the same brand or not. But, yeah. Uh, what, did you have an experience that you want to share? So, no, not really. Yeah. Um, I never really have an issue with Amazon, hardly ever. Um, I have recently run into, bless you, where an item was like shipped or something and it never arrived, so I had to cancel it. But that's a rare occurrence. But, yeah, what, what marketers are trying to do is r- reduce friction points for a consumer to be able to push a button and make this thing happen with the least amount of resistance possible. Um, there's this thing called cart abandonment. Have you heard this term before? So you add something to the cart. You go look at it in your cart, you look at the total, you enter your payment information, but then you don't push the final button. You don't you don't hit buy, you don't hit confirm, and what you do is you step away from the cart and you close the tab, and then what happens in a couple hours you get an email. Did you forget something? You ever had that happen? You get the email said, hey, this item is still waiting for you over in your cart. Don't forget about me. That's a really big deal. Uh, in fact. Amazon developed something in order to reduce card abandonment. Have you ever been to Amazon and you look? If you click on this button, you apply a 5 or 10 or 15% coupon. Have you seen that? So, like, there's this little box with some green writing under the item. Click this box and you'll, for a coupon, it's like clipping the coupon for 5 or 10 or 15% off or something. That is a deliberate tactic to get you to, if I click this, I'm going to say 5 or 10 or 15%. They, they know that if you do that, you're a lot more likely to finish out that transaction because you've got a coupon and you're saving some money. So, you, so you're saving that money. They're buying your commitment with that discount is what they're trying to do. So a lot of stuff goes into this consumer psychology. And so marketing eras, there's been four distinct eras, the production era, the selling era, the marketing concept era, and then the consumer relationship era. I never watched Mad Men. did anybody watch that show? It took place during the marketing concept era um, where you're really trying to get inside the mind of the consumer and understand messaging. you know what what is it that the consumer wants to hear? What are we selling? Uh, we're really trying to sell an experience, a lifestyle, a way of thinking about a product or service. The really interesting thing for me was when I was a kid in the eighties, you would see a toy commercial on t v and it was like magic. And then when you get home and you open the toy, it didn't have the same quite magic as the kids in the commercial. Because on the commercial, it made it seem like this was a surreal experience. Like you're having this, I don't know, just super fun musical entertainment experience. And so that was all marketing, though. They made it seem like this piece of plastic was more glamorous than it was. You know, all this excitement and stuff on TV. I remember kind of as a kid thinking this doesn't seem as fun as it seemed on TV. You know, there's something, something missing here. Uh, they didn't put the magic in the box. And so the evolution of marketing, the production era, the general philosophy was produce as much as you can because there's a limitless market for it. The selling era, most companies emphasize selling and advertising in an effort to persuade consumers to buy existing products. So in the selling era the focus of marketing was on selling the product itself with little service afterwards and less customization so we're just making a one size fits all we don't we're not worried about giving our consumer variety um sell what's available not what you know what else could be available um so and and this is i guess customization and variety is problematic because um if you've got all these options it actually is Uh, consumers, it confuses consumers when you give them too many choices. Like, um, you gravitate towards the same few things, but if you give a consumer too many choices, it makes it very difficult. Steve Jobs, um, Apple's former CEO, the CEO now, he was really against, like, mega options. He wanted it very simple. This is the iPhone. Singular. Then, Then, like, he would be disgusted with all the different options available today. Like, I think when they their last product launch uh, that they just had a few weeks ago, there was something like sixty seven different versions of a handful of products you could get sixty seven seven different customizations with different data storage, different color, you know you know all these different specs with or without uh, cellular and all this stuff and it really makes it more logistically challenging for the company when you could just produce a few SKUs, one or two simple things. Because, like, honestly, like, you know, when it comes to phones, like, does color motivate you guys to buy a phone? Like, if it's red or blue or green or pink or whatever, it, you know, you put it in a case. You know, you can get a case any color you want. So the color of the phone doesn't matter. Like, I was in the car business for years, and I had a consumer or customer reach out to me one time, and they wanted this particular vehicle, but it didn't, the, the vehicle didn't have the, the color interior they wanted. They wanted a gray interior. But they had they, they everything on the lot except it was tan. And my boss' solution was to that was sell them on what's out there, not what it could be. Because otherwise, we're we'll going to have to take this car that is 95% what they want and try to trade it with another dealership somewhere else in the country to get that exact thing they want. So what economic and social factors made this uh, approach appropriate for time? So when it talks about just selling limited SKUs or singular products, what economic and social factors made this approach appropriate for the time? What do you think? Any thoughts? Well, so, good. I was thinking that I guess this is talking about like back in the, back in the 40s, 50s, you know. Yeah. Well, people Right. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, a TV's a TV. Does, you know, it's, and that's, I don't know, like, there's something about the simplicity of it that I appreciate. Like, when you go to McDonald's now, I have no idea how many items are on the menu, but there's probably like 100 items on the menu. I, I mean, what do you got? How, how many items do you think is on the McDonald's menu now? I have no idea. What do you, what's the number? I mean, is it, is it, maybe not 100, but maybe 50? I have no idea. What do you think? Probably closer to like 70 or 80? 50 or 70 or 80? What do you think? Well, uh,
1: Yeah. Get confused, yeah, and they're asking us. And I'm like, I don't yeah. really know, I just know how to make it. Like, it's hard to like rattle off everything because half the stuff's not even listed on the board, and it it confuses both the person doing it, right, and like the person buying because it's just so much. And what? so they, they might pull up thinking, I kind of want this, and they look at the board and they're like, I don't know what I want anymore,
0: you know. Um Having so many choices is not – it seems like it would be a good thing for consumers, but it's actually not. It does confuse consumers because you have to discern – like, if you've got 50 choices to pick from, you have to discern each one of those as to what's going to be the right pick for you. And then, oh, what if I don't pick the right thing? You know, it just gets really confusing. I like the idea – the original McDonald's concept was limited menu. They only had half a dozen things on the menu. You can get a burger, a cheeseburger, a shake, a fry, a drink. Keep it simple. That's it. And I would love for McDonald's, I think, to, to do another concept of McDonald's where they just had, like, uh, Mickey D's retro or something. And it was, if you just go there to get, uh, like, a handful of things, nuggets, cheeseburgers, that's it. You know, burgers, nuggets, fries, you know. Because what the original founders of McDonald's discovered was the bigger the menu got... Um, the more logistically burdensome it was for them to offer that many items, and it increased their costs. But what they found is that their consumer only ordered the same five or six things. So they said, we're just going to cut all the excess and focus on what the consumer really wants to begin with. And so, yeah, this made it simple uh, for production, and uh, you didn't confuse the consumer with a whole lot of choices. Here's what it is. Take it or leave it. Run with it. So... um, After World War II, the marketing concept era, a consumer spending boom developed. Businesses knew they needed to be responsive to consumers if they wanted their business. And so, marketing concept, a three-part business philosophy, customer orientation, service orientation, and profit orientation. So, um, basically, um, how do we get our our consumer to live within our ecosystem, to... Think within within our ecosystem, and how do we get them to stay? What I'm talking about, some examples of this are: if I sell you a printer for thirty bucks, which is cheap, but you've got to buy refills that are twenty-four dollars, you know, you're living in that ecosystem now because you've committed, you've made that commitment to buy the printer. Or if I sell you a Kodak camera for twenty bucks, but the film and development's going to cost you twelve bucks every time, you're living in that ecosystem, and so. Um, doing these three things, providing the customer an experience, orienting, orienting them to live in that ecosystem, providing them services, and then uh, profiting off of that. So, and then we get into the relationship era. This is where we are now. So the customer relationship management, or CRM, is learning as much as possible about customers and doing everything you can to satisfy or exceed their expectations. Organizations seek to stimulate long-term customer loyalty. Social networks, online communities, and blogs are used in relationship building. Yeah, that term relationship, that has a really weird meaning when it comes to business because when I say relationship, the first thing that comes to mind is basically friends and family. You know, I mean, but the idea that we have a relationship with, you know, a business or a for-profit entity, you know. But what they're trying to establish is they want to make an emotional connection with you. That's where that... That's why that word relationships move, is used. What is a company that you have an emotional relationship with? What is it? There's got to be one. Tell me. Amazon. Okay. Why do you have an emotional relationship with Amazon? I'm a part of their student
1: prime membership. So got gotcha. you. I pay like five bucks a month, but I get free
0: shipping in return. So, what emotional fulfillment does that offer you, the, the company? Okay, so the prime gets it a lot quicker, right? Yeah, yeah. Two day or like, now they have
1: same-day shipping, they like tell me in four
0: hours be at your house. Have you done the same day? I have. You love it? That's, that's love awesome. It. Yeah, very cool. Who else has a emotional connection with the company? Like you see a company, it makes you happy. You see a company, it makes you mad. Anything come to mind? No? Like, I have a love-hate relationship with Disney. Seriously. Like, something about Disney makes me a little sick. I'm like, oh, Disney. But at the same time, something about Disney makes me nostalgia, you know. There's something, I have this love-hate relationship with Disney. But that's what companies want. They want you to have an emotional commitment with it to, to them and connection with them. Um, I really like Apple, you know. I, I don't know if I have a, uh, I guess I do have uh, an emotional relationship with Apple, but uh, I think their products are fantastic. Uh, I guess they make me happy. But um, that's what we're talking about is relationship management. They want to satisfy your wants and needs. They want you to have a good uh, expectation or good experience. Um, every time I take my kid to the dentist, within a few hours I get an email, I get a text, tell us how we did. You know, They're very aggressive about getting feedback. They want to have that. They're using a CRM, a customer relationship management tool, to get that feedback going, and they, they really want uh, to have that emotional commitment. And basically, when you're doing a survey or you're filling out this thing that they've asked you to fill out, they, you are reinforcing for them your emotional connection to this company. Think about that for a second. When you get a product off Amazon and they send you an email later saying, Can, how, how was your experience, and you rate it out of four, five stars, have you ever filled out a review for a product? Yeah, I I know I have, yeah. But what you're doing when you do that is that you, most time people only fill out reviews for two reasons. They love it or they hate it, right? But either way, it's almost a net positive for Amazon because you're still using that service and have an emotional connection with that service. And even a negative association is still an association that's easy to remember. So, um, but like, there's companies that I, like eBay, I have a negative association with eBay, but I still use eBay because you can find stuff that you can't find otherwise. So it's like a, I really have a hate-hate relationship with eBay. I, I do like eBay, but there's things about it that frustrate me. So, But blogs are another thing that customers use for relationship building. Um, I know we've talked about before. you guys read reviews before you buy products? Um, I do a lot of research on products. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It's just one of the things I do. But I, I'll go in and read and read as much as I can about a product um, to learn about it, to learn where it's made. User reviews, sometimes I'll watch a video of an unboxing or somebody talking about the product. And these are blogs and video blogs and YouTube uh, posts and things. All these are designed to enhance your relationship with that organization or that company. They're meant to, um, I guess, prolificate um, uh, or put it out there that these um, companies are trying to connect with their consumers. And so uh, social networks, same thing, you know, I love on every YouTube video, smash that like button, follow us, you know, all the companies and all the influencers want you to do that. So Uh, so the emerging mobile on-demand marketing era, as digital technology continues to grow, consumers' demands are expected to rise, and now consumers want to interact anywhere, anytime. Um, Yeah, and some companies have apps where if you log in, you can chat instantly with a live person, you know, So they've got people waiting that you just say, hey, I've got a question, boom, and they'll get back to you pretty quickly. Can I? They want to use information in new ways that create value for them. The for me, consumers expect personalized experiences. And then simple, consumers expect all interactions to be easy. Yeah, don't frustrate me. That's that's, that's my big uh, killer. What's up? I have a story about the mobile app for McDonald's that I
1: tried to use this morning. Sure, go. I left my house, like I got in my car at like 10:20. I was like, you know, I kind of want McDonald's breakfast today. And I was like, all right, 10 minutes. Okay, they're still serving breakfast now, so I order it on the app. I'm like, I might get there in 10 minutes, but I ended up getting there five minutes late. I put in my order already, and I thought it was going to be like Dairy Queen. The order gets put in. They already have your food ready. They okay. won't they won't
0: do it till you get there, right? Nope. Yeah.
1: And so I pull up five minutes late, like five minutes after 1030, and, and uh, I tell my order, they're like, oh, we can't do that. We're, we're on the lunch menu now. I'm like. I put the, I put it in like 15 minutes ago. Like, oh yeah, our system doesn't, we don't uh, put it into our system until we take it off our computer. I was like, what? Yeah. Because I'm thinking it works just like our I know, day.
0: I've done that before. Well, it's not with the breakfast thing, but I've ordered something 10 minutes away and I get there and I'm like, I ordered it 10 minutes away so I wouldn't have to wait 10 minutes when I got here. And they don't, they don't put it in until you arrive in the parking lot. So it's weird. I have, I guess, so you can order from there and not have to walk in to do it. I don't know, but yeah, there, you know, in every almost every app I've used, I don't have a perfect experience. There's always something where, you know, it, it doesn't give me the exact thing I want. But you would think with millions and billions of dollars online, these guys figure out, you know, how to do it really, really well. You know, so. So now I was like it's five minutes.
1: There's, there's no way you put packed it all up. It's like gone from the store. You can't make it. And right. I, I was just kind of frustrated, I was like, five minutes,
0: really, yeah. and she was not like the nicest about it, she, right. we're on our lunch menu
1: now, I was like, yeah. come on, it's still well,
0: morning. What did you uh, What did you order? I I, I just laughed. No, well, I'm saying what? Oh, what were? ordered what? just a egg, and cheese
1: ri- sure. griddle, and uh sweet yeah. tea, I got two of the sandwiches, and it was pretty, like, I felt like it was a pretty simple order, it wasn't much, yeah, and they didn't offer any other solutions. They're just
0: like... Didn't McDonald's go to a breakfast all day concept? They, they,
1: they had it before um,
0: on it. COVID. They, they've they gone away from that now?
1: Yeah, after, like during
0: COVID, they went away from it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, are you going to go back tomorrow and go for it again? Probably.
1: Well, I might, I might uh, be a different
0: McDonald's. So see? Like, That's the thing, man. Like, you know, God, I mean, you have these bad experiences, but... you you know? So. to go to the other
1: McDonald's. Right. And just to, like, buy it from them, right. I not
0: even get, like, what I wanted. Just get something else from them, just as in, like, a, well, you know what? I'm not going to support you. Support right. You want to support this compliance. Yeah. Couldn't find out they're owned by the same person. So I, I have no idea, so. Yeah, fun times. So, the cost of acquiring a new customer is five times the cost of retaining one. So, I have to spend, spend, spend to convince a new customer to come, be within my ecosystem. It's, a, it's very challenging because, like, if I've got a customer that's eating at McDonald's and I'm Burger King and I'm trying to get them to flip, that's an expensive proposition. I've got to put out a lot of ads to convince somebody, hey, you should come over here. But how do we retain our customers? It's a lot easier to keep our customers that we have. Build trust. Um, I actually got some feedback. I actually talked to the store manager at Zaxby's last week, um, and I was telling her, you know, just to give her some feedback, I said, one of the great things you guys do is um, I think they're pretty good at customer service at Zaxby's. Um, I think they're really trying to take on Chick-fil-A. I don't think they're quite there, but um, they're, they're, doing, they're doing a very good job with it. Um, one of the workers there knows me by name, and I know this person by name. And so uh, that builds, you know, just good rapport, good trust. Be open about mistakes. People recognize that nobody's perfect, but own up to it and uh, let people know. Listen, promise only what you can deliver, show appreciation, and remember employees are customers too. So there's some things we can do to talk about retention. And that last one, it's important to retain your employees as well because it's super expensive to hire and train a new employee versus like you at Dairy Queen, if they retain you, they've already trained you. You're, you're a plug-and-play at this point. They can just give you a shift and you can go. But if you left and they've got to hire a new version of you, that person has to be have a lot of hands-on training to get to where you're at. Ha- how many months have you been involved now? Uh, six and a half now. So, yeah. But that, how many how many weeks or months did you have to go for you felt competent?
1: I'm still technically considered training. Right. I'm still, like, training on drive-thru, even though I'm... I Proficient, do, yeah. I, I do it just as well as the senior. Like maybe
0: I'm sure. not as fast at doing stuff, but I, nobody complains about it. Right. I got you. So, yeah, employee retention is, is crucial because, like I said, very expensive and very t- time-consuming to onboard and train somebody. And depending on the organization, it could be months before you replace somebody. Um, Now, depending on the organization, it could be a lot quicker turnover or a quicker replacement. I've seen some, like fast food places, have open calls where they just said, we're doing open interviews on Tuesdays. What's up? Uh,
1: Derek, we've had six people leave and one person hired.
0: Wow. That's brutal. We
1: went from having a 15-person staff two years ago to Mm -hmm. having eight people on staff. But like I was a replacement for somebody probably. Have
0: you reduced your amount of operating hours?
1: Um, just for the winter, because we move like on um, Fridays and Saturdays we're normally open till eleven, but we went back to being open
0: till ten. Yeah. Just for Sp- winter. Just Speaking of time in winter, has daylight savings time affected anybody? Do you do you feel affected by it? How how have you been affected? i have been tired a lot. I'm tired, yeah, for sure. So. Because you got more sleep. Huh. You got more sleep. I don't know what it is, but I could tell something's not right. I don't know what's up. Just when you get home, it's already dark. Yeah, I mean. I feel weird, like, all day. Like, I, when, I'm, when I'm going to work in the morning, it's bright and sunny. It's, like, bizarro because I'm used to traveling to work in the dark, you know. So uh, I'm hoping, like, we can just get away from daylight savings, you know, and just be done with it. What's up? Um, well, the, the
1: next time we leave forward, we're not going back anymore. That's it? You're going to be stuck, like, the fall
0: now. So, so like spring, spring just, uh, is that a done deal? Uh, as far
1: as I, yeah. Like, you'd sign...
0: Is it so? It's a national movement. Okay, I heard that, but I hadn't verified it. So, I'll take your word for it. I'll trust you. I'll to my mom
1: because I remember back in like twenty twenty one, they were talking about it. Yeah, and and I talked to my mom. I was like, I thought we weren't falling back into like, oh, that's next year.
0: Gotcha. They might push it back again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I I would prefer to leave the time forward and just leave it, you know, because keep
1: it still. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I didn't. I don't know if you knew this, but um there's a rise in cardiac arrests and strokes during daylight savings time adjustments because it puts pressure on the body that it's not used to. It's out of their normal rhythm. And so you see a significant increase in heart attacks and strokes during daylight saving time shifts. So Google that when you get home and check it out. It's pretty interesting stuff, yeah. But like if somebody is uh, a one-hour shift and their body's not used to it, And they're having to pop up, and they haven't got the sleep. Is so important to your body. You don't realize how important it is, but it's like that's when your body is repairing itself and refreshing itself. And so, if you don't get proper sleep, uh, it's almost like being drunk. I mean, trying to operate, you know, your body. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah. Google that and check it out. Let me know what you find out. So, what's up? Maybe like
1: shrink the shifts during that time, like just by one hour, so people can stay like in a rhythm. Yeah
0: slowly. The whole thing never made sense to me. Like, the sun is going to do what it's going to do. It doesn't matter what the clock says. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I never understood why we manipulate the clock. It doesn't It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. I mean, does it make sense to you guys? Like, does anybody understand this? Because I, I just, I've never understood it. What's up?
1: I think it was preserved, like, daylight hours that people were
0: doing stuff. I, I understand, but just get up an hour earlier. I mean, what's up? I mean, so... I get that, yeah. I understand, I understand the motivation behind it, but get up an hour earlier. I mean, I don't understand. Like, I mean, if you say we're going to work from sunup to sundown, when the sun comes up, get up. You know what I mean? It's, uh, that just seems so more like, logical than, more, than trying to manipulate the clocks. I mean, I don't understand. It's crazy, so. All right. Uh, so, nonprofit organizations and marketing. Nonprofit marketing includes fundraising, Obtaining resources, promoting their message, attracting new members and creating awareness of social issues. Nonprofits are interesting to talk about because even though they are quote nonprofit, they still have to operate. They still have to have a operating budget and uh, be able to provide a good and service, depending on you know what it is. So as an example, like Goodwill, you know, Goodwill is a nonprofit. Uh, uh let's see, what's another one? Red Cross, nonprofit. I work with one called Society St. Andrew, nonprofit, but there's still a lot of marketing and promotion that goes into that to create awareness of whatever their mission is, you know. So So the Ad Council sponsors many public service ads, such as this one, that encourage social distancing during the coronavirus pandemic. The idea is to make the public more aware of various issues and to encourage them to get engaged. Have you responded to any ad council advertisement? You probably have. I don't know if this is an ad cancel cancel ad, but it was one about the truth, which was about an anti-smoking ad. I thought those were pretty good. Trying to think of another ad cancel one that I I responded to or really noticed. I'll have to look at look up some more examples, but this is one example. Let's not party, meet up, bro hug, defy. Let's stay put, binge watch video, happy hour, save lives. Visit coronavirus.gov for the latest tips and information from the CDC. Alone together. Yeah. It seems so, like, strange, you know, that this is this was an era in our lives, you know. So, yeah. Um, any reflections on this? Yes. Like
1: the actual place to get information on it, like, too small. And aren't gonna, I think that was the big problem, like, people weren't actually looking it up. And so you have these people saying the government created it. Yeah. Like, just saying stupid things because no one understood it, and it's because it was really hard to find facts on it. Like one, you didn't
0: know them, but also, two, they kind of didn't publish a lot. Well, the th- we talked about Twitter in the beginning of class, and the thing about social media in our society, um, social media a- a rewards outrageous behavior. So, like, if I do something very scholarly and that it's awesome and it changes the world... Social media doesn't care about that. You know, they're like, oh, cool, nice. Good job, buddy. But if I go make a, a big bat thing of pancake batter and throw it in the pool and go dive in it, oh, yeah, I'm getting a million retweets, you know what I'm saying? But, like, the more outrageous your claims were about the coronavirus during this era, the more retweetable it was. Yeah, And then once it becomes retweetable and still goes viral, it becomes a part of the zeitgeist. And I've had people tell me things that I know – they just saw a meme on Facebook or, or, or Twitter or something, and there may not be any scientific bearing into that, you know, but it, it's it's a part of the conversation. So what's up? It's like
1: people might share it because they think it's stupid. Yeah. But sharing it causes it to gain more sure. traction. And it, people who are impressionable then get to see it, and they become indoctrinated, I guess, by whatever message, and then they share
0: it. Well, see, it used to be that... The news was just the news. And when you read the news, it was the news. It was just a reporting of the facts. And somewhere along the way, the news, the news became entertainment. And it became how can we ourselves as the news go more viral and spread because we are in business to make money too. So well, what can we say that creates more, that, that makes more people happy and more people angry? Remember I talked about negative associations and positive at the end of the day, they don't care if it's positive or negative as long as they're sharing and reading it. And so you had this bifurcation of the news where half was, like, saying things that made this side angry and this side was saying stuff that made this side happy. And it's like, you know, it became, you know... And then you don't know what to believe, you know, because there's... And everybody's is fallen for clickbait. You know, you see something and it's like, what is this? And they misrepresent what the article is. And so there's a lot of that. And people... Like I said, it used to be the news was the news or reporting of facts, and that's been kind of ens- ensconced into our brains for centuries. But now, people still look at the news as it being news, but it's more than that. It's entertainment, and there is an agenda behind it, a profit motive. So, other comments on that before we move on? All right, so marketing mix, these are the four P's we talked about earlier. The ingredients that go into marketing program, also known as the four P. So these are the things that you want to talk about when you're doing a marketing campaign. The product, the price, the place, and the promotion. That's the four P's. So if you're doing an ad campaign, don't, doesn't it frustrate you more than anything when you look at something that you think is interesting and you have no idea how much it is? I hate that. Like if I'm looking at a product and i got to ask how much it is? Because that's a big part of the value proposition for me, right? If I want to buy this cup, come here, cup. You know, how much is this cup worth to you? I don't know. I'm asking a real question. How much is it worth? If you need a cup, how much is it worth? It probably would depend on how many in a packet. Would you pay a dollar for it? Probably not. Depends on where you're at, right? If you're at a concert and there's a water fountain and that's that's, that's, that's it, and they say we're selling cups for a dollar, you might pay a dollar for it. You might pay five or ten dollars for it, depending on where you're at in your situation. But like, bottle of water, right? At a concert, might be five dollars, but at Sam's Club, is twenty five cents. You know, in in the in their little machine there. So, um, but yeah, you you want to like immediately tell your consumer what the price is, so they can make a value, understand the value proposition. If I say this is a hundred dollars, you automatically know. Not for me, right? But if I say it's a nickel. You might think about it for a second. I don't know. Do I need a cup for a nickel? Maybe I don't know. So you start to consider: is that something that you want? You know, and when you go to a store, you see an item and the price is right underneath it or right on it, and they do that because that's that gives the consumer a value proposition. That we're saying we're proposing this much in exchange for this value. You know, you're saying fifty dollars. What does that equal to you? You might have to if you're earning ten dollars an hour. Is this worth five hours of your labor to earn this? The, play, the price, so we talk about the price, the place, where can I acquire this? Where's, where's, where, where can I partake of this product or service? And then promotion, what are we doing to get you excited about being a part of this? What, what kind of incentive are we going to offer to get you to do this, to get you to make this buying decision? Um, are we going to have a celebrity hold this cup and smile? You know, are we going to tell a story about how this is the most biodegradable cup ever created? I don't know. I mean, you know, you have to come up with this. This is is the job of the marketer is to figure out how we're going to narrate the story of this to promote it. So, um, and it really depends on the nature of the consumer and where they're at. I mean, like, you guys might have no interest in this whatsoever, but like I said, if you are at a concert... And you know, you care about the environment, this might be a solution for you. I don't know. So, there's a lot of go. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, but if we'll back I'm gonna back up, I'm gonna attempt to back up real quick, see if I can find it real quick. Right here, learning as much as possible about customers. So, marketers want to know as much as they can about you for the reason of understanding what it is that you want and need. So, like, as you get get older, get careers and stuff, um, you're going to fall more and more to a demographic niche. You know, this is where you live. This is the type of work that you do. This is how much income is in your household. This is the size of your household. This, and they, they can really probably break it down like on a monthly basis, how much spending you're doing on housing, car, fuel, groceries, you know, and they can really do deep analysis if they wanted to. Like, um, I don't know if they have the capacity to do it, but I'm sure, like, Walmart, as an example, or Target, or any big retailer, they can, they can take your card, whatever debit or credit that you use, swipe it, pull up every transaction that you've ever done with that card, and analyze how much spending you do on a weekly, monthly basis, what you buy most often. <clears throat> they know all that stuff. So any quick uh, questions or comments on the four Ps? Yes. For promotion, could word of mouth be considered <clears throat> a promotion? That's the most effective marketing because if I see something on the Internet that is selling a product or service, that's great, but another person telling me about it that, or me seeing it, I, I really don't anticipate buying a Tesla Never wanted a Tesla. But I have a friend that has a Tesla, and he took me on a test drive. And that's the best marketing Tesla could ever do is being inside one and watching this thing go. They've got this huge, like, I don't know, it looks like a 19-inch iPad in the dash. Have you have you been in one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't
1: know. It kind of hurt me from wanting to get one because you look at a Tesla on the side of the road, and it looks like a really nice car. <clears throat> and, right, that fits the price, and you, like, learn about, like, all things you can do. Right. But then I sat in the Tesla. The screen looks nice. Looks very high tech. Sure. And you look at the fake wood in there and the cheap. And you can yeah. Play, like, and I was like, I just don't like this. It seems so cheaply made. It seems like I'm buying a car that is like fifty percent of what it costs, and it's right. just because you're paying for what's underneath it all.
0: Yeah, you're paying for the the computer and the I the want technology. Actual like build quality. So right. What's up? I've actually driven the before.
1: What do you think? To me, that was like wow, it's like just how fast
0: it's super fast, it doesn't yeah. Feel like, you're going fast at all, right? But it's very like simple, yeah. Like, you're just like, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. What do you expect? Like a disco ball or something? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so, yes, I don't know. What's up? Oh, DeLorean, yeah. There you go. All right, so this is just a graphic of the marketing mix, uh, product, price, place, and promotion. So, you can see the product, they're doing cosmetics, price, how much it is where you can get it, and this is their promo. And a marketer should, it's kind of like going fishing, as an, as an analogy, you should try different bait until you find the bait that really works well. And so even McDonald's, I know we've talked about them quite a bit today, but they use different baits. Right now they're doing the, oh, come get the McRib, because it's only going to be here for a limited time, and you may never get it again, which is, everybody knows is garbage, but does anybody like McRib?s Are you into McRib? Kind of reminds me of like what they used to serve in the school lunches. Yeah, uh, I, I'm like Mc. Ugh, that's one I think that's that's my association with the McRib. That's no McNasty. So, yeah, but you know they they they've got a number of different things, and they they still do the monopoly thing from time to time. That's a promotion they do <clears throat> to get people to come to get the little stickers to maybe win a million bucks. I don't know. So. Different organizations try different promotions, and um, I'm sure some of you've got into the text message where a company will text you once a week or twice a week. You know, I'm on um, Buff City Soaps distribution. Does anybody know what Buff City Soap is? It's a handmade soap company, and there's one in um, there's one in Goldsboro. But I got a text from them, um, God, recently. Oh, here we go. This is my distribution from Buff City. It says, "Stock up." During our 4 for 20 sale, which includes our handmade soap bars, bath bombs, shower fizzies, and bath truffles at Buff City Soap, Goldsboro. And so I get this every week on Tuesdays because they run this sale every week on Tuesdays. And I know that. So there's no incentive for me to go get the 4 for 20 because I can get it next Tuesday, you know. So, But um, they, they try a number of different products. Here's one they did recently. Free soap for a year with a purchase. When you spend 50 dollars today, um, and then you get a free bar of soap each month in 23 when you make any monthly p- purchase. So you go in there and spend 50 bucks today, and then they'll give you a free bar of soap for the rest, for all of 23, as long as you buy something for all of 23 every month. So what are they actually doing there?: you go back and buy They're doing a loyalty program where you go back 12 times in a year. Because I only go maybe three or four times a year now, maybe. I like their soap. they got a good product, but I don't need to go every month. So, yeah, by by doing this, they get the 50 bucks today, which is a good value for them, and then they get, you know, loyalty. But that is an example of a promotion, and they're constantly putting out stuff like that. So, um, And they will keep trying these different things until they find one, that really has a good attachment right to it. What's up? I
1: uh, When all the fast food places were doing like the celebrity meals. Uh huh. I know Dairy Queen did one for two baseball players. Okay. And I was sitting there like I maybe served three of them. Oh really? And I was like, Do these guys even make these meals? Because it sounds like you ripped off a burger right there. I see it, and then you put uh, a thing of ice cream with it.
0: Yeah, my kids were into. I don't know what it was, but it was like a. It was a meal at McDonald's that came with like sweet and sour sauce and something else, McSweetie or something like that. Do yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? I bought, the my, I bought one of them, and now and they recently had the adult Happy Meals. Mm-hmm. I got one of those for my wife, and I was like, "This is a total ripoff." It is. Twelve bucks for basically a combo. I mean, that's what a box. It's the combo
1: you could have gotten just to get an old toy and a box
0: not impressed but you know I, I the only reason I did it was because they were promoting it and I wanted to see what's up so you know so promotion is a big part of that and that comes straight out of your psyche. What can I do to entice the consumer to do this what's up uh, came, uh, my friend got this
1: coupon for two of their ghost pepper burgers that they came out with Oh man for Halloween um, it, you got two of them and two small fries for ten dollars. And he was like, hey, you want to go get this? I'm like, sure. I think it,
0: is it coming in a black wrapper? Uh
1: No. It, okay. This is the orange bun.
0: Okay. Which
1: I, made. I was like, mm, I
0: don't like this already. <laughs> you I did it? I, I, I bought it because it was like $10. Both of us paid $5. We get sure. a
1: burger and a fries and we both just got two drinks. How and was it? It's awful. Like, it's worse than a normal Burger King burger and I already don't have high hopes. But I was like... It's like one of the, it's the kind of spicy where it doesn't have flavor, so it just makes your mouth hot. Oh, God. And it's like, why would anybody want to buy this? The orange bun does not make, it's just so like, because there's, uh, they have like spicy queso on it, they have spicy cheese, and the bun's already orange, so it just looks like this orange mess with a meat patty and bacon and jalapeno. On a scale
0: of one to ten, how spicy was it?
1: It was like a two. But okay. But it just had that. Spicy, like, in
0: your mouth. Yeah. Taste. Not good flavor. Just just no, spice. Yeah, just yeah, spice. And then it
1: was like, why would you ever want to buy this? Has any, have you
0: done the one-chip challenge for anybody? My friend did. How was it? I heard um, it was horrible.
1: He was fine until, like, two hours later. He literally went home and, like, puked everywhere. Oh, God. And then was, like, sitting on his ground, like, hyperventilating in front of the fan. Yeah. And he, like, he'd take spicy. Like, he he was like, my body
0: just did not like it. I like spicy food, too, but to a limit, you know, like I'm I'm only gonna go up to like a five. And that's I mean because anything over that, you're just punishing yourself without the benefit of the flavor, you know, so yeah, I am gonna pass on that. So all right. So this is a little bit more on the marketing process with the four Ps. So find the opportunity, conduct a research. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Identify a target market. So target markets are these market segments that are like if you if you've got I guess cosmetics. Using that example in the previous one, the target market. Who do you think is going to be for that? Young. Probably, probably young young women. But I mean, it could be could 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 appeal to others too. But that that if I if I did a, probably an analysis of who's buying these products, it's probably going to be primarily a female audience. You know, but uh, I, I don't know for certain. But either females or males. Buying it for a significant other, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Got you. So you identify a target market and then design a product to meet the need based on research. So that research is important. There's a number of ways to do it, but probably the most effective is um, talking to people directly. Like, putting out a survey, that's kind of weak. People don't really, I mean, when you do a survey, your goal is to get it done as quickly as possible, right? Like, when people ask me to do a survey, I'm like, how can I get to the end of this as quickly as possible? Let's go. Yeah. So you don't necessarily get the good feedback. uh, But talking to people, and especially when it's paid research, like the idea of paying somebody to ask them questions does not sound appealing. And if you're on a limited budget, that doesn't sound appealing appealing either. But if you pay somebody a nominal rate, they're more likely to give you quality feedback because you're paying them for their time. So do product testing. Say, do you like, you know, the way this writes better or the way this writes better? Tell me why. Now, find out what it is about each that, and then then use that feedback to help you develop your final product. Determine a brand name, design a package, and set a price. Place it uh, for distribution. Design a promotional program. And build relationships with customers. And so this, in a nutshell, is how we go through the marketing process. So, designing a product to meet customers' needs. The product is any physical good, service, or idea that satisfies a want or need, plus anything that would enhance the product in the eyes of the consumer. Um, So, once again, any physical good is is a product or anything that would enhance the product in the eyes of the consumer. What's something of something that enhances a product? I'll give you an example. I was recently looking at some earbuds, or not earbuds, but a headset, and I looked at one that came with a case, and then I looked at another one that was cheaper, but it didn't come with a case. And so that was a real value add, having the case, but it wasn't a $50 value add, you know what I'm saying? So I had to look at... I didn't, I didn't end up buying any, but I was just evaluating them, and something that enhanced my decision was this extra accessory. Test marketing is testing products among potential users, finding out the good, the bad, the ugly, what works, what doesn't work, what... What did you like? What didn't you like? A brand name is a word, letter, or group of words or letters that differentiate one seller's goods and services from those of competitors. Um, I will say that in the Internet age, we've had a lot of wacky brands come available just because of people wanting to come up with unique URLs and stuff. But brand is such an important thing. It, It needs to be able to communicate what it is. You know, like if I say our company, we're just going to call it Wood, Okay, what does that what does that tell me? Is it made of wood? What are you What are you communicating? You know, so whatever your name is, or your uh, one or two or three words that communicate your name, it needs to communicate what the product is. You know, so think about that. Um, I say that, but then you have Apple, and that doesn't say computers. You know, so ignore everything I just said. So, but um, it does. You know, I, I guess we've we've you know, in the early days of Apple, it was called Apple Computer. And so now it's become a part of the zeitgeist, and people know what that's associated with. Yes, sir. The logo, what?
1: like the Apple logo, mm-hmm. it's become like ingrained. Right. And it's like something memorable.
0: The apple with the piece taken out. Well, like Dairy Queen, you're communicating what that pretty, is. Yes. we are pretty good at it. Yeah. So um, I guess McDonald's does not say food, but people have, it's gone to a point now where we associate with food, you know, so. Yeah, so brand name, very important. You want to not necessarily land on the first thing you think of. You want to kind of vet that out and, and, and ask some people some feedback, you know. So a vegetarian restaurant might feel a popular need in the neighborhood of many college campuses today. Is there one near your school? What can you tell about its manager's applications of the four Ps of marketing, the product, price, place, and promotion? Is there a vegetarian restaurant in Johnson County that, that we know about? i don 't know about it, okay, well, how about let 's do a different example. Is there a restaurant around here that is kind of unlike other restaurants? Does anything come to mind it 's kind of a little different than your traditional I guess eating establishment. Uh huh. So, um, crawfish. Crawfish, what's up? Um, there's
1: one in Raleigh
0: County. Uh, I go ahead. What you got?
1: It's called like rock and roll sushi,
0: and it okay. Has, like, a conveyor belt. Very it, like, cool. Through, like, yeah. It was so cool. So, h- how do they convey that? Um, it's just like. I'm saying, like, um, do they promote it? Have you seen promotions from them about their well, product? I saw Right, I saw, I've seen it on, on some social media. I saw it going on a conveyor. Have you been there before? Yeah. Oh, how, do you, how do you like it? It
1: was really good. We finished
0: a lot of plates. Um, how much did they charge you for to eat there?
1: It was 15
0: for... Unlimited sushi, yeah. yeah. And it was really good. It sounds like, you know, you think you can eat more than you can, but after you're like probably third or fourth roll, you're like, okay, oh I'm no, feeling hold it. Hold on, I have a
1: memory of how many plates
0: You wrote had. it all down? She's about to tell us something disgusting. I, well, she ate, the of the I ate 27 plate. plates, yeah. so. Yeah, well, there's one down. I've never been here, but has anybody been to Biscuitville not far from here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, they, do you think they have a good business? I've heard good things about them. I've never yeah, been. Yeah. Biscuitville pretty good. How do they communicate that to the public, though? Do they do any marketing or advertising? I've seen, I've seen commercials. Yeah. yeah. What's up? I have my
1: manager at work. He'd always come in for morning shifts with it. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll have to go try it. And it's
0: decent. Yeah, what's up? Me and my friend finished 26 plates. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is there a four to six rolls per plate, like pieces? And there's, I think, three or four. Okay. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I'm not going to lie. Okay. We'll go move on. <laughs> so, setting an appropriate price. Pricing products depends on many factors, competitors' prices, production calls, distribution, and promotion. Um, getting the product to the right place. Intermediaries are important because getting a product to the consumer when, when and where they want is critical. So we'll go back to the price real quick. It depends on a lot of factors. How much does it cost you to produce the thing to begin with? You know your price can't be less than that. And so you shouldn't create or produce something if it's going to be at a price point that you can't afford to sell it at. Like, we can make an awesome, like, high-end hamburger that's $18, you know, $20, $25, is this market going to be accepting of that? Probably not. You know, even though we can make it, like, fantastic, I mean, we can probably make a $100 Wagyu burger, you know, that is just, like, epic, but the market is not going to accept that. So um, you have to be able to find your right fit into the niche of that market and understand how much it costs you to produce it, how are you going to get it out? How are you going to promote it? And will your consumer accept that price point? Yes. I was
1: talking to my cousin. I, I try to like, talk to him like once a month. Yeah. Ask like how LA's been and all that. And I was just talking, we talked about food for a while. I was like, oh yeah, we went to the steakhouse here. And we, I was talking about the steak and then he, t- he told me that this steakhouse he found in LA. And we compared the kinds of steak, the price, and I was like, the, the places over there, there's a lot of more of like, fancy, expensive food restaurants that we mm-hmm. have here.
0: Like, I couldn't find a restaurant like that here. I'd have to really search
1: for one, at least. To go high,
0: high-end? Yeah, high-end. Yeah. Like, really
1: high-end, like $100 See but that he, he, like, can turn a corner and find three of them in a yeah.
0: See, that's just so out of alignment with my... But see, if I lived over there and made three or four times as much money as I do here, maybe that might be more in alignment with my value proposition, you know? So, I don't know. I'm kind of following. my
1: cousin still lives like you... He lives with his parents still he doesn't go out to eat and very he frugal goes out to these big places if his friends are taking him out to eat yeah he, he's very like i'm making a lot of money now but i know it's not a sustainable as sustainable as like a desk job what industry money. is he in well he's a uh, streamer so okay
0: like, content. that's right you told me about that yeah yeah
1: and so he's like i don't know how long my market's going to be open sure i going to farm as much money out of this Put it away. Like he doesn't pay for his house. He doesn't own a car. The only thing he, he pays for is his girlfriend
0: to fly out to see him. That's cool. And, yeah. Or
1: like family members, if we want to go see him, he'll like try, he'll try. his best to get to either us or to
0: for us to go. To Streaming, the like, our being an influencer is a very stressful lifestyle. It seems glamorous because all they show you is the glamour, but you're constantly under pressure. You have to put out content every week because if you don't, you drop in the ratings significantly. The
1: new Call of Duty came out. Two weeks on uh, October twenty
0: uh, eighth or something like that, and um, okay. eight hours
1: a day. He's at, like he has to buy contracts, stream
0: eight hours a day. Is he a Twitch guy? Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, but he, his contracts with Faze, uh, which is a like a company that promotes, it's like a clan kind of like a gaming clan. <laughs>
0: that's group. They, a lot they, of work. Eight hours a day of, of streaming.
1: Um, just tell me about other people. Like the guy who got the first like completely finish the game kind of stuff right 100 so the game had been out for 150 hours he slept a total of 30 hours just to like pump out as much as he could from this game right and it's like he said it's like stressful doing that it's not even
0: enjoyable yeah
1: that's why he's happy he's not a pro player he just makes content for it because he just wants to play the game that makes him happy but like pro players they have to practice day in and day out and it makes the game not fun
0: Yeah, because you're doing it because you have to do it, not because you want to do it. So, Um, so just what's up? That game may even, I like I've seen the advertisement for it, and I've seen gameplay movies. it. just looks like it's a ripoff of like what of. It's just to build upon other other versions. Yeah, I will
1: say it's really fun and addicting. Like it's actually a lot better than the old ones. Yeah. Uh, oh, I prefer the old oh, I'm about about the past
0: two. Right. Oh. I, haven't, I haven't played any of them yet. I, I played some old, old Call of Duties. Like, my favorite old one was Part 4, I think, Call of Duty 4. But that was a long time ago now, probably 15 years ago. So, um, Last thing we'll talk about, real quick promotion. All the techniques you tell um, sellers use to inform people about the motive uh, and motivate them to buy their products and service. So, advertising, personal selling, public relations, publicity. Word of mouth and sales promotion. Yeah, and you got to do a little bit of all of this if you're going to be successful in marketing. You got to get out there and shake hands. You got to do the, the retail part of it. Uh, We're out there meeting people, connecting, talking about your business, talking about your product, um, doing live live streams on social media. You got to do that. You got to have promotions going. You got to do paid advertising. Um, you got to do some blog. I mean, you got to really have. I would say somewhere between ten and twenty different avenues of outreach, in order to really connect with an audience and get get that out there, and and that's a lot to manage. But one way you could do it effectively is just set up a schedule where every day you're doing a little bit of, of a few of them. You know, so like if I had like I'd say let's say fifteen different outreaches, so do three a day, five five days a week. You're doing so one day you're doing a blog post. Uh, a a facebook live or something that you can put on tiktok and then and then the next day you're doing a youtube video so you just you you have to be a content creator and somebody that's willing to get out and promote and sell your product so all right we'll take a time out there for today test is not due until friday just keep that in mind that's for 10 11 12 and when we come back we'll wrap up uh, chapter 13 okay guys all right talk to you soon